This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And it is Judd's Hockey Show, the Wednesday edition, which means that it is not two people, it is three people. We're skating at full strength. Hey. As you will see, it's Declan Goff, and as always, the the looks of JHS. Once a week, we get get her looks, we get her talent, and even of those of you who don't think she knows hockey. You don't know nothing because she knows more about hockey than almost anyone I know. It is the talented Jesse Pierce, Bar Down Beauty's fame. Check out that podcast. That That's fantastic. And also um, her written work, NHL.com. She covers the wild and is continually uh, tweeting about their line combinations and writing about that team as well. All right. Let's do it. Let's get to the question. Jesse, we'll start with you. Um. But the Wild, which a week ago looked woeful, and then on Thursday was absolutely awful against Tampa Bay, has now won four or five and three consecutive games. So here's the question. Are you buying what the Wild is now currently selling? No. Like, I just, I predicted this to happen. Absolutely not. I overlooked that Islanders game even. Like, I was like, this is not the Minnesota Wild team that we've come to know and expect. And right now you look at this schedule heading into the All-Star break. On paper, it's very favorable. They should beat these teams. This is not the Washington Capitals of years past, right? This is an old, out-to-the-pasture type of squad that is struggling. So, yes, beat them. Then you're going up against Nashville. Huge game against Nashville, who's kind of in a similar position with the Minnesota Wild, except Nashville does have more talent. So that's going to be a very telling game. But even if they beat Nashville, they're going to go and beat Anaheim on Hockey Day because they don't lose on Hockey Day, and Anaheim is hot garbage. So I think they're even if they prattle off wins for the next week, don't get your hopes up thinking like, oh, see, this team, the, the tides have changed. They're much better now that they're healthy and yada, yada. It's just going to be another way to break your heart. They're going to get you up here on top of that roller coaster before plummeting back down to reality and earth. And that's not being necessarily mean, even though I recognize that came off very mean. It's just the reality of who this Minnesota Wild Squad is. And look, you know, wins against Carolinas, nice. Wins against Florida, nice. Like, those are really good teams in the East. So I'd probably take more encouragement in those wins. But also... Look at how you won. You had to win in a track meet, right? You had to win six to four against Florida. You had to win five to two against the Hurricanes. And hey, maybe this offense is finally starting to work. I mean, they have five goals, at least five goals in their in these in these you know four wins that they've uh, kind of stacked in their last five games. But uh, unless this offensive explosion continues, which I don't see it being sustainable, no, I, I can't I can't buy those stocks. I'm going to ride out uh, the investments uh, when when the markets close at five. I'm just going to be hoping. 
that I'm up for the day, uh, but I'm not selling or buying the stock. I'm just going to ride this out and see where see where it takes me for now. I'm with both both of you guys, though. I'm not buying this, but here's my concern. Is this going to be, because we, we all oh. heard, I think, a week and a half ago now, Bill Guerin talking about, you know, well, we'll do something if we have to, but I think this team can win, and the locker room heard that, and now they've rallied around. Um, my concern is if this keeps up, and Jesse's right, like they play the Ducks on Saturday, they have 10 days off, they come back, and I think they play the Blackhawks, mm. who are absolutely a dumpster fire. They're terrible. So. If they do get some momentum going into March, is this going to mean that they're going to make, and this is my fear, an ill-advised move? They're going to try to get help. They're not going to try and trade assets. And and I feel foolish here because one of the reasons why I don't buy in, and I, I told uh, AJ this last night on the show that we did after the game, one of the reasons why is the Vikings. Like yeah. the Vikings. Right. They start to get hot and then it's like, oh, my goodness. And Josh Dobbs is playing well and maybe they can. And I I bought into that, too. And so that's my thing is, are you really going to leave yourself in purgatory? And I think it's so fitting that currently both of these teams are out of the playoffs, but they're tied in points that they're tied with Calgary. Because the Calgary Flames and the Wild are the same middle feeding, mm-hmm. always good enough to give you enough hope that you're not dumping, but bad, but not good enough to actually win significant games. So this actually, one, I'm with both of you. I'm not buying. But two, it concerns me because I think Bill is going to look at this. Bill Guerin is going to look at this potentially and be like, oh, whoa, hold on a second. This is us. This is what we can do. And let's say they do make the playoffs. I got no hope. They're, they're going to be one and done again. Mm-hmm. Like this to me could be the worst possible thing if it keeps up. Here's a thought that's been percolating around in my brain because it seems and feels like a very, very Minnesota thing to do. And it wouldn't necessarily require assets. And I think it's affordable now with Jared Spurgeon on LTIR. Phil Kessel is still homeless without a team, you guys, right? Doesn't that just feel like a very Minnesota thing to do? Bill Guerin's familiar with him. Obviously, the whole league is familiar with him. He's got that veteran presence. (laughs) Dude loves his beers and hot dogs. Like, it just feels like, you know what, they're going to look at, you know, come January, February, once they come out of February here, say, you know what we need? We need a Phil Kessel because we're going to make a run, and that's what Phil can do. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> yeah, I, have, I just threw that scary at you, huh? Yeah. Oh, my. That's a curveball. Because um, I because I, I know that there are some people around the league surprised that, like, the Blackhawks, have, after Corey Perry flamed mm-hmm. out there, didn't go and get him. I haven't thought about him as a fit here, potentially. But, yeah, it does. If Bill Guerin likes him, and, yeah. that, and that I don't know, because uh, Bill Guerin was in Pittsburgh when Phil was. So you're right, Jesse. Ooh, uh, that's a... <laughs> That's a hot, steaming take of potential there. <laughs> Declan, your thoughts on Phil Castle. I'm more scared than ever one. now. Uh, I will say, though. I don't like it. All right. I don't, you know, cheeseburger, hot dog, Phil, like, love him. Okay. The only thing that would intrigue me in that is you're not trading for him. You're just signing him off the street, right? And yep. I don't know what shape he's in. I don't know if he can play. But this would be, I would have a hard no if it's like, hey, do you want to float a six-round pick to the Vegas Golden Knights if Phil Kessel, you know, is still there. So I'm I'm not completely yeah, no. out on that because he's just sitting on his biscuit and you're just going to be paying him probably league minimum salary to do so. But, I mean, that would be pretty hilarious if they ended up <laughs> buying Phil Kessel off the street 
and that's their addition to spark the team. Yeah. Oh my God, I got one name, Danny Heatley too. Oh. Now they now they did have to trade for him, so this would I'm not an be. But Danny, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm an all star. I'm an effing I'm an effing all star. The Heater, but it'd be Danny Heatley too. Like I could. Oh my God! If they do that, I think I'm out. I think I'm totally like if <laughs> like if they start to go to that well, I think I'm gonna have to divorce myself from this show because yeah. I'll absolutely go crazy. It's just been it's just been stirring in my mind. Like, don't think it. I'm like, ah, it just feels like it's right there. It's right for the Minnesota Wild taking. Like, hey, he's got connections to Minnesota. We love yep. that. You love <laughs> you love you some Phil Castle. Everyone here in Minnesota loves him. Like, I just I could see it. Oh my I, God. And he's an American he's hockey kid who yep. Hines and Garen love. Oh my God. It's right there. It's, oh, that's in the, a good... it's moved into the middle lane now. Oh my God. That's this a great, great that's a that's great reckless speculation yeah. on on a Wednesday. Because um, <laughs> I didn't tie this together, but you're right, with Hines and with Garen. Yeah. And and now Phil turned on a trade here when Fenton tried to get mm-hmm. him, but that was way back when when he actually had value so if if a team comes to him and says we'll pay you my guess is he he comes back um i want to talk to you about a performance i saw last night that i actually thought was great and it's another thing that drives me crazy so help me out talk me off the ledge on this one our guy jojo marcus johansson okay former team going against a former team um we saw the marcus johansson that we saw when, when he was in the last year of his contract and i believe was traded from the capitals to the wild last season I thought we saw that guy last night. Silky smooth, clear, tons of talent. Um, how on earth, Jesse, do you think he does not apply himself like that? I'm not asking for every night, but more often. I I Help have me. no idea. I can't get a good read on Marcus Johansson just in general, right? Like, even when he scores a goal, it's just kind of very, like, angry. Yeah. Not quite angry, very nonchalant, maybe. Which, there's a difference yeah. between nonchalant and angry, but, like, I can't get a read. I don't get a pulse on him. I don't get a pulse on the type of player he is on the ice, off the ice. I just can't figure out Marcus Johansson because he has potential. He's got a lethal shot, you know, like he can do some dangerous things when he shoots the puck and when he's trying, but you're right, Judd, there's just, it's not applicable every single night. And especially at the juncture that the Minnesota wild are at, where there is that huge sense of urgency. They need to win almost every single night. You would think that he would show up for his squad, but I don't know. He seems very disassociated sometimes, and it's like he, when he wants to engage, then he's fully engaged, but otherwise there are games where it's, I don't want to call him necessarily a passenger because he's not even that. He's just not there. So it's it's very curious, and I would be curious to hear what the conversations between him and John Hines might look like because I know John Hines has said he's had to call out a couple players and have some one-on-ones, and I would like to think Marcus Johansson is one of those guys, and hopefully he starts responding because there's just you need that consistency from him every single night while the Wild try to eat up some points. Yeah, Jesse kind of summed it up where I, I just don't know if this guy enjoys playing hockey. It's <laughs> it's very weird because, um, yes, I think when he applies himself, he still has a lot of left in the tank, and he's very talented, but... I don't know if he enjoys doing this. And there's some athletes, too, that are like, hey, they get their contract or they've been in the league a long time or a, a bit like Johansson, and they're fine. They're making millions of dollars. They have a comfortable lifestyle. They know where they fit on the team. And it seems like Mojo is that classic athlete where, not to make a crazy assumption here, but just he, he's just he's content. He's, he's good with what he's got, and he doesn't want to apply himself to the 100th degree and I guess that's what's probably the more frustrating part to Judd's point that, I mean, the last few games we've seen him be that guy 
the second uh, edition when they traded for him this time last year. That was more of the player they wanted to see instead of the first uh, edition they got of him. But yeah, I just don't know if he really cares about playing hockey. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. He got the contract, and and so because he got dealt here, and he came in, and and we all thought, well, his first time here, he was hurt, and so like this is this is JoJo, this is what he can do because he is smooth, he's got talent. Like I mm-hmm. I want to make it clear, he's dogging it, he has talent, and and then he got the contract again, and what ticked me off last night, especially you guys, was this: it was the Capitals, so he was going to show them, and he did, and it's like, oh, dude, this is what you can do. Um, but, but this team's not talented or deep enough, Jesse, to what you, to your point is to have a guy do this. Like if you've got that talent, this team needs you, everyone on this team needs to play their role correctly and, and extended time off of, well, you know, so-and-so will pick up the slack, ain't going to cut it. And so if you're really going to make a playoff run, like if you are going to make a shot and it's going to be tough still, but if you're going to make a shot at a playoff spot. Everyone who needs to do their, their job specifically needs to do it every night. And like Eric Sinek does, Felino of late, I think, has been a monster. Mm-hmm. He's been great. But you can't have anybody shirk their responsibility. And starting with Johansson, he seems to me to be a number one first-class shirker. Yeah. No, I, I completely have nothing in addition to add about that. I do like the Felino shout-out, though, because I've noticed that, too. He's kind of... Uh... After I tried to trade him away numerous times, uh, he's he's doing all right for himself. He gets you something, but because he gets you something back for sure, right? Because um, he does have. But yes, he and, and and I don't know why it's it seems odd, but it, I I think that there's enough evidence of this now to say it for sure. For whatever reason, when he plays with Eck, he's a different player. Mm-hmm. Felino and Eck for you know for a long time it's like well it's the whole grief line well yeah. jordan greenway i don't care where he's playing he can play in buffalo he can play in saskatoon he but can it's play been a beef in... line it's been a number of different yeah, lines Ek, right yeah but like Ek, felino and boldy it, it's sort of like and i don't know how but it's sort of like felino feeds off x just who just works his ass off mm-hmm. and he almost feeds off that so so not to say that marcus is not a good player ordinarily but i am saying i think that his value kicks up significantly when Erickson Eck, as opposed to somebody else is his center. I think that's probably fair. I think, and I mean, we've talked about other plays players doing that for each other, right? I think Erickson Eck brings that out of a lot of players, the way that he plays and grinds. I mean, we saw it again last night. I mean, he's been one of the most consistent players for the Minnesota wild this year. No question about it. Right. And we all know what an impact he can make on this team when he's going uh, you saw when he's not with the team in the playoffs. I mean, imagine the difference if Jules Eriksson was a part of that playoffs against the Dallas Stars last year. But I do. I think it's X net front presence, the way he uses his body, but then also utilizes the skill set that he has to beyond just that, the physical presence. I think it gets guys like Felino, especially. He loves having that adrenaline going. He loves that physical yeah. aspect of the game, and that's why it's kind of his bread and butter. But watching Eck go down there and just kind of be that menace that he is around the net, I think 
gets Felino even more jacked to like do a thing or two that maybe is even out of his wheel set. So it's uh it's interesting. It's fun to watch. Yeah, he's been the brightest spot of this entire season, in my opinion. Um, this has been obviously a pretty disappointing year for the Wild, and you know, Kirill's taken a while to get going, and goaltending has regressed, and they got to injuries, and they have fired a coach, and throughout all of that, Joel Eriksson Ek has been their best player by a mile. Um, on pace for a 35 goal season, he continues to blossom offensively. You know, when he first started to get his feet, uh, footing in the NHL, we really liked that. Oh, this is going to be a good defensive pest type of guy, and might not bring the offensive ability that you would hope, but he's going to be a reliable player in your lineup. I mean, guys, he's on pace for a 35-goal season after another really good offensive campaign last year that got cut short because of injury. And I agree with Jesse. I think that playoff series looks completely different uh, with a healthy version of him. Um, and, yeah, he has been, without a doubt, the the MVP of this team. And I, don't, and I don't think anyone really would fight me too much on that take as well. He's the poster child, I, I think, for why patience, especially in this sport in particular, is so key. Because you get drafted as a kid. And you're just not strong enough, right? Like, like think about X game. What Erickson X does, you get you gotta be a man. Like you got it, like you're driving to the net. You're getting he's taking punches every single night. Guys hate him. Like if you're a little kid, you know, if you're 19, you're gonna get your ass kicked, whooped, right? Um, and, and the one thing I think that's that's different is back in the day, you could set up more in front of the net and try and screen guys, which they still do, right? But think about like Eck. He drives to the net. Yeah. Like he he creates a net front presence at times, but he also, like last night, he's driving to the net. You got to get through some big defensemen. So yeah, he is, I, I think he is a very, very good case for why why it's very hard for after like two years to say, well, this guy sucks, trade him. Uh before we we move on, Declan, if Joel Exonet came to you and said, <laughs> you know what? I'm a little run down. My career's going great, but I need a boost. What would you tell him to do? You know, it's weird. I've gotten some comments before, like, you know, you kind of have some Eck to your face. Like, there's some doppelganger to me and, and Joel Erickson Eck. Is it because um, people want to, like, punch it? I think that's what it is. Is that what it is? I mean, with all due Except respect for to your Ecker, teeth. My, your my, teeth are, my your hair teeth are gorgeous now. and teeth I do have on Eck. Probably, you know, athletic ability, you know, maybe a slight advantage to Joel. Uh, but, you know, he probably tries out AG1, which is a great place uh, to get your morning routine on your gut health and your supplement health as well. It helps manage stress as well, which is obviously big this time of year. And it uh, it's replaced kind of my multivitamin and my probiotic. You know, you don't, what do you got to take? You got these supplements, you got all this stuff. How about just one scoop of AG1, which makes life a heck of a lot more easier. You can try AG1 and get a free one-year supply, one-year supply and five free AG1 travel packs that you can take on the go. You can uh, go get this at drinkag1.com slash JHS. It's drinkag1.com slash JHS for a free one-year supply of the vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs. Go to drinkag1.com slash JHS. Awesome. Uh, Jesse, goaltending, where do you hear or think that uh, Flower is out as far as his or at as far as his recovery from what almost certainly appears to be a concussion? Uh, The Wild now has two games before a 10-day break. They play... Nashville in a game I want to talk about on Thursday. And then, as you said, the Ducks were terrible on Saturday. Do you think, do you think we see Gustafson in both of those games? And 
how much do you think that they can just flat out ride him? Because he's playing well now, but we've talked about this before. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to give it a go, especially with these games this week. No need to rush Marc-Andre Fleury back. Heading into the season, you guys, Gustafson was the number one. He It was not a 1A, 1B situation. It was supposed to be Gus with 70%, Fleury with 30 That was a role that both of those goalies were heading into the season prepared for and I think Philip Gustafson did do his due diligence in preparing himself for that I know the past couple seasons it's been the question of whether he was in shape enough was he ready to take on that and I think this year he has injury aside and certainly he's had his own struggles but I would say for sure let Marc-Andre Fleury deal with what you had said Judd probably a concussion to make sure that those symptoms are completely because that's not something you want to mess around with right that's certainly something Mm -hmm. that the NHL and and sports in general now are taking very seriously and Marc-Andre Fleury at where he's at in his career you want to make sure that he is extra protected almost and you don't need him these again looking on paper winnable games if the team plays right they are winnable games especially on Saturday and I think you play with you play with Gus instead of Jesper because we had uh, Devin Dubnik, small little plug here, guys. Devin Dubnik on the podcast for Bardown Beauties this week, and he mentioned how terrified he was playing in a hockey day, Minnesota, his first hockey day. He's like, because all they do is win on hockey day, and felt this pressure to win on his first one. So, really? I, yeah, I can see that, right? They do. They win every almost it's every year. It's a made-up day. It's like Valentine's Day. I wouldn't feel any pressure. Oh, come on. It's the state of hockey holiday. Yeah, man. Okay, okay. I got Come news on. for you two kids. <laughs> Come First on. of all, for you two kids, State of Hockey was made up by the Wild in the year 2000, okay? Great this marketing. has not been the state. It doesn't Great go back. Oh, it. it's fantastic. Oh, the, the, just to be clear, the Wild's original marketing campaigns were some of the greatest. So uh, just to be clear, shout out Jack Sperling, uh, um, Lywicki, I think it was yeah, Todd. Hi. But anyway, shout out to them. But it's a made-up day. It's a made-up day. So, Devin, you shouldn't have been – you should not have, have been concerned. But that being said, do you think it is premature to say um, when the Wild plays the Predators, which is going to be tomorrow, January 25th, I actually – and I feel like I sound crazy saying this. I think it's a must-win game. Mm-hmm. I think it's a must-win game on January 25th. And I not only feel it's a must-win, I feel that you need to win – in regulation to get the two points and not give them a, a point. Do either of you think I'm absolutely nuts for saying that? No, I I don't think you're nuts at all. And actually, I want to revisit a flurry thing at the end of this episode that we can get back into because I heard something interesting on ESPN last week. But I mean, if if you're going to stack these wins against good Eastern Conference teams, right, like Carolina um, and and obviously Florida, and this you know this happens more in football because there's a limited amount of games, but you you got to make your hay against your divisional teams. You have to make your hay against the conference teams and. Not to say you can lose Eastern Conference games, but like the Wild have dominated in years past, right? Eastern Conference. I think two years ago they had like the best record against Eastern Conference teams. That's how they made almost half their season's worth of just points of just killing the Eastern Conference. But they need to make obviously a significant dividend in the Central Division and in the Western Conference. So yeah, these wins have been nice. They've been kind of playing track meet hockey, but uh, you need to make it against the Nashvilles, the world, the Arizonas, the St. Louis. The teams are ahead of you, right? That you have to basically jump mm-hmm. to put yourself back in playoff position. You're four points behind Nashville as it sits. So that three points gains all the ground that you need. Nashville currently sits, I believe, in the second wild card spot from the West. So it is. It's it's a must-win game. And I hope they treat it that way. You hate to say that sometimes, but at the same time, I worry with this Minnesota Wild team, and I've seen it in years past, where they don't have that sense of urgency. They come out flat. I was thrilled to see them come out as 
as quick footed as they did against the Capitals and not really let off. They let off a little bit, I think, toward the end of the third period there, but otherwise it was almost a nearly complete hockey game. But they don't have that luxury. This is the position that they put themselves in. You don't have the luxury. You need to win against all your conference opponent teams, all your yes. central division teams. Like you need to. It's just where you're at. Figure it out and get the job done. Uh, Next, what, what's your point on Flurry? So, yeah, I think you guys were, I don't know if you guys heard it because uh, it was in Tampa Bay. I thought this was a home game, so I thought maybe you guys were actually at the X for this. But when they were on ESPN Plus on uh, a hockey night last Thursday at Tampa mm-hmm. Bay, uh, Kevin Weeks brought up the Devils as a potential trade target for Flower. I don't know if you guys heard that during the intermission report. I did hear that. Um, Jesse was was at an event. Oh, that's what it was. I knew one of you guys were you enjoying guys were a few drinks. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I was with some live, fans of Bar Down Beauty. Live play and, by play, you know. Kirsten, just, I heard yeah. Kirsten do do a goal call or a yeah. uh, scoring the, the goal <laughs> call. Yeah, you guys were having a great time. Dex and I were grinding. Okay, yeah, we were. Hey, you're working. We just had. We certainly were. Just had free refreshments coming. <laughs> But what do you guys Sorry, what do you guys make of maybe the Devils being a buyer for Flurry and also Flower kind of Flower has full no trade right so he gets he gets say I believe in this trade so he can't yeah. just be traded to any willy nilly team but New Jersey do you think he would accept just a trade to New Jersey if that situation arose? It's really tough to say. I think. I mean, I I think you look at Mark Andre Flurry the Flurry the competitor. And yeah, he wants the opportunity to win another Stanley Cup. And goaltending is kind of maybe the one thing standing in the New Jersey Devils' way from from being a really strong, solid team. They have a lot of the other pieces put together. For some reason, I don't like the fit. And maybe it's because I've also heard other teams floated around like Toronto, where I could see Marc-Andre Fleury saying, hey, you know what, I would like to do this with Toronto and with some of those guys. Um, Fleury, I think, would be fairly old in that New Jersey Devils locker room too, right? That's a lot of babies. Compared yep. to <laughs> compared to what he would, so I think that would. And then the other component is obviously family. He is such a family guy. He's so close to his family that I think it might be, it would be a really tough decision for him to make, not just for New Jersey necessarily, but for any team. But yeah, I just, I don't see New Jersey. I don't see him in New Jersey at all. I, as hard as I'm trying to imagine it, I can't see it. But that's just my opinion. And I and I think because uh, Jack Hughes is still out, that they're, they're a fringe team. Like yeah. they... They had big expectations and have fallen short in part because their goaltending has been disappointing. I've got to Dex's point here. I've got five teams written down as potential goaltending destinations. Okay. Like these are teams that that could use help the Leafs. Now, Joseph wall is coming back, uh, but they have been very like for, for a team with big expectations. And again, they, they are in jeopardy if they don't get, get this right of missing the playoffs entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Maple Leafs, the Devils, the Oilers, the Kings with Cam Talbot because they don't have a backup there. Now I know that would be dicey because we saw that story play out before and it didn't play out particularly well. I for want Cam. it. Give it to me. But Give you know me what? Don't the be... soap opera. That let's go. I mean, don't don't be a baby, Cam. Okay. <laughs> and and the last team because of the controversy surrounding Carter Hart in Ta-da. with the Flyers, as Jesse and I talked about in the press box last night. The Flyers, because the Flyers are in a playoff spot. The Flyers, and I mean, this has the potential to derail them because Hart's been great. So of those teams, Maple Leafs, Devils, Oilers, Kings, and Flyers, one, am I missing a team potentially for a goaltender? And two, do you see any of those teams as potential fits both ways because he would have to waive his no trade? And those are teams that could use goaltending help. Like I said, I think... Toronto is the most alluring to me because I think they would they will move mountains to get what they want right they will move mountains to not 
fail again. And Edmonton's the other one. I, that's another good point, too. Like, again, their goaltending is always really questionable, but I don't know if Marc-Andre Fleury would necessarily... Just Toronto screams Marc-Andre Fleury to me. Like, it just screams, like, we would treat you so well. We'll <laughs> give you the world. Like, I think that... But now, since you brought up the Kings in a, a tandem with Talbot, I love it. Let's go. Let's see what happens there. I would love to see how the Kings fans react. Probably very, uh, very naturally, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They would act less uh, upset, maybe. Well, I think Kings Talbot's fans playing look... a heck of a time. Has, has yeah, a heck of a season but he doesn't have a backup, really. No. They're, they're going back and forth there. I'm, I'm just saying that those teams, to me, make sense. Um the Oilers, I think, would be intriguing because mm-hmm. that team can win the cup. But they definitely need, un- unless um, Jack Campbell, who I guess is playing well now in Bakersfield after not playing. I mean, he's a mental mess. But yeah. And Skinner's played well. But if Jack Campbell comes back up and plays well, but that's a big if. And Flower, I think, there would be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's Edmonton, so he might block it. But this- he also could win a last cup there. This Edmonton run is ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's what the happens is, when you get a new coach sometimes. <laughs> yeah. The record is 17, right? I think I think the the regular season record is 17 consecutive wins yeah. and I think the the Oilers are at what right now? 14? 14. And they've I think the one I saw from Stat Muse yesterday was so 12 straight games of allowing two goals or less and you've won every single game of like you're going to lose a 2 to 1 game, right? Like that's just that's going to happen every right. once in a while. You're allowing two goals or less every time, and you're still coming out victorious. It's insane, dude. You have Connor McDavid. Like, you should be doing these things. And Leon Dreisaitl. Like, you should be doing these things. It shouldn't be as a surprise. The thing that does make me wonder, too, defense in Toronto and Edmonton, though, are are soft, right? They are baby poop soft. So I don't know. They've had some problems, yeah. Yeah. So I think that would also be maybe another factor for Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, how much am I going to have to bail this team out? If but then again, if their offense is going, which both right. squads have strong offenses, right? I feel like if I could attach myself to McDavid at the at at Flowers' age, yeah. it might be enticing. Yeah, and they very well could win win a cup. Okay, last thing before we go, I got to talk about it. I got to broach this as a sports fan. It was very depressing to watch. Can't get past it. Alexander Ovechkin. Number one, how is he going to get the sixty plus goals? <laughs> That he needs to pass Gretzky. And by the way, he's going to stick around until he gets that. This league is not going to allow him to walk away from that. Um, but, and Jess, you, you were there too, so we'll start with you. But what was your feeling in watching this player who's come into the X and dominated hat tricks? I mean, just freaking unbelievable. He was, I think it's kind to call him a shell of his, of his former self, what we saw last night. In 2006, I was baptized into the religion that I dubbed Ovechkinism. I added that onto my religion officially on Facebook <laughs> because that was what we all did. I have loved watching Alex Ovechkin my entire life. Like, he was the reason that I got even more into hockey. Because it's not that he just has this phenomenal skill set. It's the way that he just grinds. It's a very Russian mentality, right? We talked about Kirill Kaprizov kind of having that similar thing. Like, he's a physical dude, too. And that's why I've always kind of, in the Crosby versus Ovechkin era, I I was Ovechkin all the way. I just loved the style of play he has. It was so hard to watch. Like, for him to not get a point last night against the Minnesota Wild was just astonishing. Um, You know, it was funny. I was joking with some of their Washington media members at Morning Skate, and they were like, I was like, so has he moved his office, you know, quote-unquote, where he's always shooting from? And they were like, yeah, his office might be back in Russia. We don't know. Like, it's just, it's nowhere to be found. He cannot... 
get it going. And it's just frustrating. It makes me feel old because he looks so old and worn and tired, much older than he actually is, mind you, too. Um, it was. It's it means an end of an era. I would be curious to see being what it means for his future, too, though, because he is a competitor. So I don't think he wants How's to he get the record. Up. Though? He can't. Yeah, he's not going to give up. He has I... Eight goals. He has eight I... goals this no. year. I, I believe first time ever, right? He did not record a point in the Exxon yeah. Energy Center. That's, uh, yep. He has had at least one point. He, dot, he has, and obviously the Caps don't play the Wild a ton, 23 career games, 37 points against the Wild in his career. So he has dominated every time he's come here. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just power plays and face-off specialist guy that just sits at the uh, top of the circle in offensive face-offs. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do here. He can't get the shot off. And Declan, that power play now is atrocious. It's like 27th in the entire league. That league, And and the problem is, and this is what I'm curious to see how, how long the Capitals can do this. The problem is the Capitals are playing him as if he's still a star. Mm-hmm. And he's doing nothing. And he's taking away from the team. And that's not to talk about the other old men on the team. Our guy TJ Oshie looks about 1,000 years old too. But... But Ovechkin, it's just to Jesse's, to what she said, it's so sad to watch. I'm sorry, as a sports fan, like he would score those rockets, right, at, at the X, those power play rockets. And I'm sorry, but I would smile. I'd be like, yeah. oh, my God, there's that shot, right? It's like, so like because you saw it on TV. It, it's like when you're a kid and you see it in person and you're like, oh, my God, is that awesome? <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know what the answer is, but I got a feeling, unless there's just something wrong that we find out, I got a feeling this is going to be absolutely beyond painful, and that sucks. I mean, and the Washington Capitals need to figure out themselves in general. They have a lot of old men. You mentioned TJ Oshie, Backstrom, who's obviously hurt, but, I mean, they've got a lot. Of, Tom Wilson's not that young, I don't think. Like, it's no. kind of that old team. It's very much them and Pittsburgh are hitting that kind of riding into the sunset era, and we're seeing that in the way that they're performing. And it's kind of telling how poor the Washington Capitals do offensively. I think they've only scored like 106 goals total this year, which is also 27th in the league or something near the bottom. Mm. And that's in large part due to not getting the production that they're used to from Alex Ovechkin. And I think he started out a little bit slow last year, right, and then came hot and like rode yeah. the rest of the year and did his thing. It's getting a little late to uh, to be leaning on that. So it's it's a bummer. I still am tried and true to my religion of Alex Ovechkinism. Uh, I encourage you all to join that church. It, it was a fun one. We had a good ride, uh, but we might be drinking. Some so like beer consumption? The yeah, there could be beer consumption. I was going to say the o- Ovechkin uh, church is Stanley Cup keg stands. Yeah. And just shotgunning beers. Yeah. Doing a lot of cool stuff on the ice, too, probably. Maybe all wearing right. tinted visors. That's what he needs to bring back. Okay, great stuff, guys. We will regroup next week. We will figure out something to talk about because the stupid buy leads into the stupid all-star break. So the wild basically is done playing for 10 days on Saturday, uh, but we will see you next week. Jesse Declan Judd. Bye.